What is up, everybody? Welcome into a TGIF edition of Texas All Access. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's football. However you want to classify that F, well, classify it. Friday football is good. It's Texas All Access coming at you. John Harris, your host, football analyst, sideline reporter right here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Less than 48 hours from kickoff in Duval County. It'll be a 1 p.m. Jacksonville kick. If you're in Jacksonville going to the game, obviously. Noon here. Noon kickoff. You can hear Mark, Andre, and myself. You hear the pregame show before that at 9 with Sean and Seth. And then the postgame with Sean and Clint Sterner. So we got you covered on Sports Radio 610. All kinds of stuff over at HoustonTexas.com. Telestrator I did, which is awesome. I did social telestrators, which are like 30 seconds long. So you can like that. All kinds of stuff there to get you ready for this one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I will give you my keys to the game a little later in the show. DP Sidhu sat down with our good friend J.P. Shadrick. J.P.'s going to be calling the Georgia-Auburn game uh, for Westwood One. It's going to be kind of cool. And then he turns around, comes back to Jacksonville for the game, covering it for the Jags. He is a longtime contributor to Texas All Access, so we appreciate him joining us. And then it's a little Drew's Dozen with Nico Collins. Looking forward to that. I'll give you my prediction straight up and against the spread. I love doing that just because it's a little bit of competition just to see how I do, but it's also a way to talk about what's going on throughout the league. So we'll be ready for that as well. Then we'll have the final word with Drew Doherty a little later, also with Nico Collins. But we kick off every Friday show with two people, Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans, and head coach Lovie Smith discussing this trip to Jacksonville, Florida to take on the 2-2 two and two Jaguars. Mark? Coach, let's start with the kicking game against the Jaguars. You had a big play last year, and you want to see more this year. What goes into game planning that third phase of the game? Well, I mean, there's a lot. Just special teams in general, Mark. We talk about, you know, each game you want one major impact play. Take a possession away, score. We were fortunate last year with Traymon Smith, you know, from our return game, but we put an awful lot in it, into it. Traymon Smith is on – it's documented that he can go to distance. Dez King, as a punt returner, too. You just want to try to set the offense up a little bit better and staying along those lines with the special teams. It may be other ways. MJ Stewart last week, big impact play, of course, causing the fumble on the kickoff. Defensively, Jaguars up front. How tough are they? They're running the ball well, plus they have that short, controlled passing game. Yes, they, they do. You know, we talk. We, we know skilled guys, Kirk, uh, Trevor, uh, all outstanding players back there. But for any of that to happen, it has to be about up front. Added a couple players to the mix, but uh, it'll be a challenge for us. Even though you consider them a passing team, they can run the football. And uh, so we'll need to be sound. We haven't played our best ball against the run, just starting with us. So kind of looking forward to this challenge. What are you seeing in Lawrence in year two of his development? I uh, saw a great player last year, especially at the end of the year, the way he was playing then. But, you know, it was a big target. Last week, some unfortunate things happened to him, turnovers and different things. But I think he's protected the ball well. He can make all of the throws. And, his, you know, his mobility. And not just mobile to pass, but mobile to take off and run. You know, some of the RPOs, too, that they mix in with their offense. It'll be a challenge for us. 
you got to feel like you're running the ball best you have so far. Every week it gets better, Coach, and I know you're looking for another step against the Jaguars, but this isn't the same Jaguar defense you saw last year. They have a lot of new players. Yes, a lot of new players. First pick in the draft, of course. Um, And I think last year Josh Allen was maybe hurt or so too. But but up front, uh, starts with the defensive line. have a you know a couple young linebackers too. Secondary is solid, uh, but for us we need to run the football. So give them their due, but we need to run the football. As you mentioned, we have gotten uh, progressively better each week, and we'll need to do that this week. Plus, you had your best passing day last week. Some explosive plays through the air. Yes, uh, we want to run, but you're going to have to pass the ball sooner or later, uh, and we needed to last week. And the passing game came through. We got Brandon Cooks more involved, and of course he's, you know, a, a great player. You know, Nico Collins can be a factor. I really like what we've been doing with our tight ends. I mean, they're capable of catching the ball, also. Also, coach, you've been on the road a couple of times already. You've been in some tough environments, so that should help you as you play in Jacksonville. No, we've. Uh, you're right. From the preseason to uh, just traveling on the road, and I don't think the crowds have really taken us out of our game, anything like that. Uh, good football teams uh, went on the road, and uh, we realize our history with the Jaguars also. Um, and Division, game, all those things should uh, lead to us playing our best ball of the year. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thank you. All right, as always, great stuff there from Lovey Smith, and the other guy was okay too. But the other guy sticks mm. around. Mm. Mark Vandermeer, the other guy. You don't like that, do you? No, no, it's all right. I'm 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 the other guy when it comes to Lovey Smith and just about everybody else in this building, Johnny, including well, you. Okay, so I, I said this to you. We were, we were talking about certain things uh, today. We're talking about videos and things like that, and I was like, man, every video clip we put out needs to have your voice on it. Like, you're the audio that comes out of this building needs to come through you. You are wow. the you are the voice of the Texans. It should come through you. So I'm just I'm hello, just friends. Yeah. Oh, that's Nance. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> you know, who still sounds really good as Al Michaels. He still sounds so good, especially when he's opining about how bad a football game is, like he was last night. So I, I don't know if you follow Jimmy. Is his name is Jimmy Trena? Oh yeah, I follow him. Okay. Did you see his tweet last night? So last night, if you missed it, if you missed it, last night, the Broncos-Colts game is an absolute train wreck disaster in every way. Shape I couldn't form. look away, though. It, I could not look away. I mean, it, it like a train wreck. Well, I was enjoying like watching crash. the Colts suffer, but they weren't suffering enough, and they ulti- ultimately won. Yeah. Ouch. Oh, okay. I'm going to get to Jimmy Trainer's. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But Jimmy Trainer said that he texted, he said, and this is tweet. And I saw this. He said, at halftime, I texted Al Michaels and said the only thing that can make the second half watchable is if Michaels dropped a quote-unquote farcical on us. And then he did. Oh, that's and he beautiful. caught him a legend. That's beautiful. <laughs> like, that's pretty good. I was, like, doing that. I liked, I'll text Dre. At some point, college game, he's calling. I'll text him and, and then see, like, if something comes up. I should text him, hey, hey, use this word. Just make make sure that you're paying attention. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so that, that was really cool. Okay, so game last night. Oh, Colts end up winning it. So frustrating. I cannot believe that the Broncos are that dumb. And yeah. I know people are like, well, the fourth one. No, 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 no. I want to go to 219 left sure. in the game. Do it. It's 9-6. to six. Yeah. 
and the Broncos have the ball. Now, let me, let me be exact about this. The Broncos had the ball at the, I think it was the 14-yard line. Yeah. 14-yard Red yard zone line. possession where they've they were, been terrible this year. Right. Uh, yeah, they've, they've been bad. Um, and it really, this really isn't, uh, it isn't so much about them being bad. Was the touchdown pass to Saubert in our game a red zone or just beyond it? It was just beyond it. Okay. It has to be because I don't know if they've Gosh. scored in the red zone. Uh, I don't know if they scored in the red zone at home this year. I'll find it. So here we go. The, uh, so the, the Broncos have the ball third and four at the Indy 13-yard line. Two minutes, 19 seconds left. Indy has taken its last timeout. Yeah, they're done. What is, and this is a question I think every coach and team has to ask itself under four minutes of a game. Who's the opponent? Yeah. Who are you facing? Who are you facing? And how are they playing that night? Right. And I bring that up because sometimes the opponent at that point is not the Colts. It's the clock. Play the clock. So there's 2.19 left. The Colts don't have a timeout. It's third and four. So it's third and four. So you tell me you could run it down to the two-minute warning. Run it down to the two-minute warning. Kick a field goal for a six-point lead, and they'll have less than two minutes to go. To score a touchdown and have it score a touchdown all night, and they don't have Jonathan Taylor. And no timeouts. I would take my chances with that. You don't have Aaron Rodgers there. If you're facing Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, maybe even this year Tom Brady would change your strategy, but let's just go with vintage Tom Brady. Yeah, okay, even Russell Wilson vintage. If you're facing yourself vintage, maybe even Matt Ryan vintage. I don't know. When he had the Falcons loaded up, you might say, ooh, we really need the touchdown here, but let's take a risk-free or relatively low risk approach at getting the touchdown job. Right. Right? Absolutely. Okay. What did they do? They threw it in the end zone and got intercepted. I mean, that's unacceptable. You can't. That's the one thing you can't have happen. I would even, you could even convince me, and, and it's a little bit riskier play, but you have two downs to get four yards and the game's over. Okay. And that's why I said the opponent's the clock, because you have two downs to you have two downs to get four yards. You still have Melvin Gordon, right? You don't have Jonathan Williams anymore, but you have right. Melvin Gordon, right? You have two downs to get four yards, and and maybe n- what happens on third down when you run it on third down? Say you run it on third down, yeah, and say you get stuffed or you get one yard. Okay, kick the field goal. But let's say you get it to fourth and one at that point, and you can put the game away with thirty six inches. And if you miss. The Colts still have to go from the nine-yard line mm. all the way the other direction to kick a field goal to tie it with no timeouts left. So, wait a minute. They threw the pick on third down? So, they threw the pick, Russell Wilson, yeah, on third down. Third and four, he throws the pick in the end zone, just highlighting yep. and, and sticking to At Corbin the 13, Sutton. oh, my gosh. Just run the ball. Don't do anything. Well, Gordon does fumble or has whatever. Right. But still, I mean, that's the safer play. Or you roll Russell out, slide, take a loss right. if you have to. Right. Just don't. Just don't, take the clock down. Don't turn it over. Don't turn it over and don't run out of bounds. That's right. all you got to do. Yeah. If you do those, if you do any of those things, yeah. any of those things, you can either A, kick the field goal, take a six-point lead. B, get enough on third down that you go for it on fourth down yeah. and make it game's over. Or C, get close enough that you go for it on fourth down. You don't make it. But now they've got another 
they got an extra 11 yards they got to pick up because now they're not starting at the 20 after the interception in the end zone. They're starting at the 9. You want me to Texanize this whole situation for you? You want me to do it? Please do it. Patriots, week three, 2017. Oh, boy. Here we go. Oh, boy. You want to go there again just for a moment here? (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. There you are in the fourth quarter. Oh, boy. There you are. You lead by what? Two. You lead the Patriots by two. Right. Time running out. Let's see. 228 left. Lamar Miller up the middle. No gain on third and one. It's fourth and one at the New England 18. Right? You could, A, go for it Mm -hmm. and end the game. End it. You could kick a field goal and take a six-point lead with 228 to go. A five-point lead. A five-point lead. Whatever. A touch Must have a touchdown for the opponent lead. Thank you for the math. I was just, you know, I'm tired. Whatever. No, got you. Uh, But here we go. They decide to kick the field goal. Johnny, I know this is a classic second guess, and, you know, Brady hit Brandon Cooks ultimately for the game winner. I was okay. I can argue both sides. This is one of those both sides things. I felt at the time, okay, I think you could stop them. Let's see how it goes. You know, they have the two-minute warning still, right? Now, let's see. When did, you how had did been they, stopping them in the second half. You had been stopping them. Let's see. They had third and 12 at the New England 23 with two minutes to go. And that was the one that hit Amendola? Yes. It's so interesting to say these names out loud and go, wait a second. Didn't he play for the Texans? Didn't yeah, Cooks he did play, play for the Texans? <laughs> he still does. <laughs> he does. Okay. Yeah. He oh. actually hit Cooks from the New England 38 for 18 yards to keep it going. Oh, now, and then you I, sacked him, and he fumbled, but they recovered. All my right, I, why did decision, I do this? My decision would have been the same in the fourth down situation. If I can end the game, I'm going to end the game. Remember when we went to Tennessee in 2020? And okay. we were up one. Roby picked off the deep pass. We went down, and we scored on fourth down. Right. We were inside the five, scored on fourth yep. down. And I immediately said to you guys, now you guys were back here, I was there. I, I even said this before, once, once we were driving, mm-hmm. I had said to you guys during the break, score and go for two. And you guys were like, what? You're nuts. I was like, you'll go up nine. The game's over. Game's over. If when you, you can nine. end it, end it. Now, they didn't ultimately get to two. But I have no problem with going for two there because the two ends it. It gets to a nine-point lead. It's over. But if you miss it, it's only seven. They're only going to tie it. You're still going to have your shot in overtime. So I, my philosophy has always been if I can end it right there. Yep. And I have Deshaun Watson. I have Russell Wilson. I'm ending the game right there. I'm ending I, the game okay. right there. The Broncos situation is different from what we just described. When right, because we third down. It. Right. Well, yeah, it's third down. You have the field goal in your pocket. It's good for a six-point lead. They have no timeouts. Right. You have a chance, and you're playing Matt Ryan and the damaged 2022 Colts. Right. You're not playing the Patriots of 2017. You're not playing the Titans in 2020, which Correct. were a hot team. Right. Piping hot team. They would become one. And, in fact, they got the ball – the Titans did in that 2020 game after the Texans scored, they went for two, missed it, but they're up seven. So they still got to get a touch and an extra a touch, point right. in order to tie and force overtime. Right. They could go for two also for the win, but they didn't. They went for overtime. They ultimately won it. They had a minute 45 left. They went down the field and scored with Henry on the sideline because it was a two minute type situation. Yep. No Henry. 
and they did the job. That Texans defense was hemorrhaging. It was a tough time indeed. Right. Look, I didn't have a problem with Romeo doing what he did either because if you kick the extra point and you're up eight, okay, it's the same situation. If they drive down the field and score a touchdown – I don't like my chances of stopping the two-point conversion. With Henry? So you know what? I've got a two-point try right here in my pocket to attempt, and I can end the game, as you said. I'm okay with that. With the Broncos last night, what are you doing? Right. Just that's even more grotesque. safer than that. Yeah, I mean, that's to me, that's even more. No, that was third and four. Mm -hmm. I'm saying had they gotten to a fourth and one, I I probably would have gone for it because I have Russell Wilson. Now, I don't have Javante Williams, but I have trusted Melvin Gordon. And you're right, the defense. But that's also trusting my defense. I look over at my defense coordinator and said, hey, uh, I'm about to go for this. So get your defense ready because if I don't get it, you stop them. Away we go. No, no, I would have kicked it at that point. Fourth and one, you kicked it. But I don't it. think either one of those are bad. I don't, no, I, honestly, I, know, I, don't, I, I, think, I think both of them, going for it to end the game, kicking the field. I think kicking the field goal to end the game, too. So I would have been okay with that. What about an overtime? What you couldn't do is throw a damn interception. All right, so in overtime, there you are, fourth and short, okay? They went shotgun. We all know what happened. Wilson missed a wide-open guy, threw it in the end zone. Crazy amount of traffic right there. Why isn't Russell Wilson running around trying to make a play with his legs? He killed us here in 2013. 2017 made play after play up there in Seattle. He has that in his bag. Now, I know he's older now. He's not doing it as much. You know what? That's a good time to do it, though. That's a win on the line. One run wins the game for you. Come on. Roll out. Run it in or hit somebody. But don't do that. You have to find a way to convert that fourth and one. So, okay. I, it just dawned on me. So, rewind. Yeah. Uh, Richard Sherman was very, very upset last night saying, run the ball, run the ball. I I don't disagree That's with that. That's PTSD from the Super Bowl loss. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting there. Okay. So on that play, it's a big deal because KJ Hamler was open, right? Yeah. He's wide open, right? Wide open. Wide open. You know what play that was? What? Oh, the, no. That was the play that the Chargers ran on us? No. Oh. It was the no, exact it was, same it was play back. the Seahawks ran in the Super no, Bowl. No, it wasn't. Go back and look at it. Really? I promise you. Malcolm Butler wasn't there last night, I though. I promise you. It's Wasn't it more man, jammed It's a two-man rub route. First guy goes up. Now, he might go up and break out, but he goes up the field, and the guy outside guy, Hamler, goes behind him. Mm. That was exactly. Go watch it. He, it's the same. It Natural just hit pick. me. It's the exact same play. Here's the problem. He never looked over there. He How was does locked he not in look a, over there? He locked, he locked on Sutton the whole way. And so what ended up happening was Gilmore – Gilmore took away the inside, and that's what he wanted. He wanted a quick slant. But Sutton, instead of seeing that he had that inside leverage and breaking it back out where Russell could have thrown it like at the pylon, and he would have, ha- he would have had him, Sutton just kept going. He just kind of kept going and going, and then he got himself into the traffic. But as I think about it, it's the exact same Super Bowl play because on that Super Bowl play, Ricardo Lockett was the outside guy, and the the – uh, inside guy was going to run up the field, and then Lockett was going to break behind him on the pick, on basically the pick route, the rub route. But, but Brandon Browner locked up the front guy for the Patriots, and that made Lockett have to bubble further, and it made a quick beeline for Malcolm Butler. Well, last night the pick hit perfectly. The two Colts guys hit each other, 
and then Hamler breaks inside. It's the same exact play as in the Super wow. Bowl, and he missed and he it. Doesn't throw it. Doesn't even look over he there. He didn't even look over there. So that's PTSD. Is he Cougar in Top Gun one? He's got to turn in his wings because he's holding on too tight. Is he that might. what's happening he, right he now? He might be right now. I think uh, everybody's a, holding on way too tight Seth or Sean, one of them made a great point. I always thought this. I mean, this this comes up from time to time, but it's good to reemphasize that Brady has tricked everybody into think thinking that you can play into your 40s. Yeah, you yeah. can play until your 40 right. even, which used to be, wow, he's 38 years old and still bringing it. Matt Ryan's 37 years old. Right. He doesn't look right. He doesn't look like him. Right. And they're a pretty good football team. I know they're missing some guys right now. So that's a strange deal. Now, Russell Wilson, shouldn't it be a little bit better? Signs that big deal. You know, I was thinking about this. As bad as we feel that the Texans weren't able to beat the Broncos or the Bears, and certainly last week with the Chargers, but the Broncos and the Bears in particular, the way they look, and the Colts too, of course, because that was a tie. But as bad as we feel about that, Look at the Broncos situation, Johnny. They trade picks. They pay Russell Wilson a ton of money. Right now, it looks terrible. Maybe it turns out to be a lot better. Maybe he's just a little dinged up, and he's going to get healthy and play much better. I don't know how Matt Ryan's going to work out with the Colts. Clearly not the same kind of investment for them with him as the Broncos with Wilson. But the Texans still have the world in front of them. They still have their whole lives in front of them with all the draft capital and everything we always talk about with Nick and what he'll be able to do here as frustrating as it's been in the first four weeks. Your whole lives are still ahead of you here. Whereas in Denver right now, you're thinking, what did we do? Right. We got into a bad marriage. Right. I mean, the money, uh, I just, I'm, I'm floored by that. Now, I go back to, I think, I think Brady has skewed a lot of things. And that is, well, you just go from the Patriots to the Bucks and you win Super Bowl. It's that easy. Um, no. It's, it's not that easy. And even in that season of 2020 when Brady was with the Bucks, it took them a while to it get did. going. It did. You're right. It clicked, but it clicked with the right teams they had to face in the playoffs. They started on the road against Washington. I know. Then they them- played a team that they've played before, the Saints. And then they played the Packers, and the Packers were, were a 13-3 and team that was flawed. So Brady made it look easy. Like, ah, you, you just moved to a different team. It's all good. He's learning a different. Russell's learning a different it's system. Brady. It's different because how many quarterbacks go to another place late in their career and do it? Now I know Peyton Manning did it, and Montana won a playoff game with the Chiefs. I think right. just one, right? But, I believe. Yeah, but maybe that's it's it. more. But that's it. That's it. it. It doesn't happen. It's very difficult to make it happen. So good luck with that. And boy, Pete Carroll was getting a lot of love last night. I mean, some of the memes and gifts going around last night about Pete Carroll and John Schneider and the Goodfellas laughing gif and all these other ones that these guys are reacting very well right now to their current situation. There's an article, and I can't remember if it was The Athletic or ESPN. I'm not sure which one did it. Either way, it was a great article. But it was about the trade of Russell Wilson, and it it, it did a really nice job of encapsulating over the years how the players felt, how things were going, how the trade went down, all that kind of stuff. But there was a major concern in Seattle in 2021 whether Russell was, you know, let Russ cook. They thought Russell was cooked. Mm. They thought that there were there were people in the building that were thinking that. Now, they weren't saying it out loud, and Pete wasn't saying it out loud, but there were people in the building saying, we think he's done. 
He's not able to do the Kyler Murray running around making plays sort of stuff. That's just not something that he can do anymore like he used to, and he would rely on that. Yeah, it was part of now who it's he different. Was. He now was you a, have to be a quarterback at all times. I don't want to sound like Greg Cosell here, but Russell Wilson was a good thrower of the football, as Cosell might say. Yeah. But you're right. That scrambling ability, a big part of the arsenal with Russell Wilson. Yes. And all else breaks down, that kind of thing. Man, what a weapon that is when you have a quarterback who can do that. But the older you get, he's only 33 years old, Johnny. It's, he's not Matt Ryan, 37. That's a big four-year difference, 33 to 37. When you get to be my age, four years yeah. is nothing. Back then, back then, those years in sports, those are big years. Yeah. I mean, for Matt, I... I didn't. I was dubious of that working in Indianapolis, especially with the way the offensive line was being constructed or not constructed. That was a struggle last night. Bernard Ryman was just struggling uh, at left tackle. He's an athlete still trying to figure out how to play football, basically. It was going to be a struggle. I don't think Russell is totally cooked, but Russell has to change his approach and how he's going about it. And the thing is, when Brady left New England, he went down to Tampa. He played for a guy that had been offensive coordinator for decades, who had been around it, who had seen it, had been a head coach for a number of years when Bruce Arians now in his second stop. With so, a lot of different kinds of quarterbacks. Right, exactly. So that's a little different than Nathaniel Hackett for the first time as a head coach, yes. dealing with all this kind of stuff. Yes. And all of a sudden he's got this quarterback who is guaranteed hundreds of millions of dollars. And how do you? how's that relationship going to go? It's but it's tough. That's and now, thought that now you got Broncos. You know, like KJ Hamler takes his helmet, slams it down. That's the universal signal of, I'm done with this nonsense. <laughs> the universal signal. That's the universal signal of I am done with this. In any language, when you throw your language, helmet, <laughs> when you throw your care. helmet to the ground, you could ask DP in Farsi. That still means <laughs> I'm done with this. And we are close to being done with this segment, and that's okay because we're going to do our keys to the game. Against these Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, how do you stop him? What do you got to do? That's next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And I know we've got a lot of fans out there today, but i got to give some props to today's biggest Houston fan. That's Dykin, D-A-I-K-I-N, Dykin. These guys are doing big things in Houston. As the world's number one indoor comfort provider, Dykin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Dykin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Learn more at Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, DaikinLovesHouston.com. All right, it's time for our keys to a win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Keys to a win, keys to the game. All right, here we go. Let's start with the Jacksonville offense. This unit's been pretty good. Not great, good. 17th in the NFL with 110 yards per game on the ground, 216.3 yards per game through the air. That's 18th. So 17th, 18th, you know, middle of the pack. Overall, 20th. They lost six turnovers, and that's key because the four fumbles that the Jaguars lost were all last week in the rain against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, they weren't all rain-induced. 
There's one Trevor is just trying to run away from a defender, and he's holding the ball down by his leg, and his knee just knocked the ball out. I mean, if it's not raining, does it knock it out? I don't know, but just not taking care of the ball. So that obviously, it's not one of the three keys, but it is something. Um, yeah, it actually is one of the keys. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But Trevor Lawrence runs this offense, second-year quarterback out of Clemson. James Robinson was undrafted free agent at Illinois State, and he's been fantastic. Travis Etienne. He's a first-round draft pick along with Trevor Lawrence in 2021, but sat out because of an injury in 2021. He is back as the clear number two slash weapon X slash third down guy there for the Jaguars. Their offensive front will hit you. They are physical, and they will hit you right in the face. Cam Robinson's playing about as well as I've seen him. Ben Barch has been a really good fill-in at guard. Uh, and the rookie, Luke Fortner, uh, has done some good things at center in addition to Brandon Sheriff, the former Pro Bowler with the Washington Commanders. Moving over to Jacksonville and Juwan Taylor, right tackle. So let's get these keys and let's start with Trevor Lawrence. Now, one thing that Trevor has been doing much better on film, now I don't know exactly what the numbers and the analytics will tell you, but he's getting the ball out of his hands pretty hot, pretty quick. Ball's come out hot, ball's coming out quick. That is a recipe for success in a Doug Peterson offense. That's what he wants. That's what Nick Foles was able to do. But Nick Foles also could take his shots. But Nick got the ball out of his hands. He would get it out to his weapons. They move the sticks that way. Nick Foles was very, very good doing that. Wentz in 2017 was very good at doing that. I don't think they ever got back to that. Wentz never got back to that. Trevor Lawrence has bought all the way in. You can tell just the way he's changed his game. Making quick decisions, getting rid of the football, Ball placement accuracy have been very, very good. He has looked completely different than he looked in 2021. I don't want to say he looks like a shell of himself, but he sort of looks like a shell of himself. 2021 to me was the anomaly. Seeing him at Clemson and seeing him now, that's what I remember him as. 2021 was just so weird because he had been so successful and there was so much uh, boy, bad stuff going on last year. He's gotten beyond that. He's got stability with Doug Peterson he's got stable weapons and we're going to get to a few of those in just a second but Christian Kirk has made plays for him and amongst others he's got weapons and Zay Jones should be back I listened to his press conference today and Doug Peterson said it sounds like Zay Jones will be ready to go so Jacksonville's got some weapons the three wide receivers are very very good I don't think any one of them is a true number one but I don't think any one of them is beyond a number two so it's like they got three number twos but they all work together with Christian Kirk Zay Jones and Marvin Jones Jr. Tight ends are very good, very athletic. Trevor just gets the ball out of his hands hot. So, DBs might be that opportunity to play on that a little bit. Maybe bait Trevor into, like, hey, throw short, throw short, and then boom, jump that route and take one to the house. That will be fun. Start this game off or at some point take a pick to the house. That'd be kind of nice. But that quick game, really quick with Trevor Lawrence, is going to be something the Texans I'd like to see them force him to dink and dunk because he's got the arm to throw deep. But do that a few times and then bait him into throwing you one. That would be kind of nice. Number two, a true weapon X. Now, I have labeled a weapon X player a runner slash receiver, a guy that doesn't really fit either position. He's good at one thing. He's good at another thing. He's not great at any of them. But you just want to get the ball in his hands some way, some shape, some form. That's Jamal Agnew, number 39. Now, last week he had the two touchdowns for the Jaguars, one in the second quarter that gave him 14-0 lead, and then one that got him within eight at the end of the game. 
He only played 18 snaps in the game against the Eagles. But it's clear when 39 goes in the game, the Jaguars want to target him. 18 plays, he was on the field, six targets. A third of the places on the field, he got targeted. Now, last year, what I remember against the Jaguars, the Texans do that. When 39 went in the game, defensive players were pointing it out. Hey, there he is. So they're aware of Jamal Agnew. Everyone has to be aware of Jamal Agnew. Like I said, those receivers are pretty good. I don't know if I'd say they're exceptional, but they're good. They can put some heat on you with some of the speed and quickness they have. Agnew's a different kind of dude. That guy has got explosive home run hitting uh, speed and explosiveness. You cannot allow him to get loose in this game. And number three, and this goes back to the turnover aspect. Give him or take him. Don't matter to me. I don't care. To me, fumbles are more giveaways than they are takeaways. Unless he gets punched out like the other day uh, when MJ just rocked DeAndre Carter. That's, That's a forced fumble. The Texans in the game against the Colts, Matt Ryan gave away a fumble. We'll take it. We'll take it. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. But Trevor gave up four of them the other day, and the Eagles recovered all four. So with four fumbles, that's going to be in his head a little bit. So if I'm the Texans, every time I get close to Trevor, I'm swiping, I'm chopping, I'm ripping, I'm punching, I'm doing whatever possible. Because if I get one out, then that's going to be in his head. It's already going to be in his head. But if you can get one out and all of a sudden it's happening again, that can play in your favor. There's no doubt. All right, flip it over to this Jaguars defense because we've been talking a lot about this group. This group has really improved. And when I go through and I do know your foe, I put out the starting 11. And as I do, I put new players in all caps. And then I put rookie starters in all caps italics. They've got two rookies that are starting, just like the Texans with Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley. They got Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd. They've got one, two, three other key starters they added through free agency. So they've got five starters that they've added through the draft of free agency. And that mix is really coming to fruition because that mix is helping Tyson Campbell play a little bit better. It's helping the safeties play a little bit better. Andre Sisco's a first-year consistent starter. He's playing a little bit better. And it's made Josh Allen, opposite Trayvon Walker, play a lot better. So this group's giving up less than 94 yards per game on the ground. It's eighth in the NFL. Even though last week the Eagles got after them something fierce. 210 yards on the ground. Now, the Eagles worked personnel groups and space to their to uh, their advantage. And Miles Sanders took advantage of it. When the Eagles spread the Jaguars out, and they basically went five-on-five five with offensive linemen and guys in the box, Miles Sanders was able to exploit that. Jalen Hurts was able to exploit that. Now, the Texans won't be able to exploit it like that, but the Texans get a lot of the yards with condensed stuff, with 21 personnel, 22 personnel. They jam it in there, and they go power football. That might not be the way they got to go. They might have to spread them out and do what the Eagles did. They're not going to get the zone read stuff, but by spreading them out, getting a hat on a hat, that might give Damian Pierce some room to run. Passing game, they give up 237 yards per game. That's Mid, middle of the pack, 16th in the league. And overall, they give up 333, 330.3 yards per game through the air. That's 14th in the NFL. So they're top half in every major category in defense. I think they're fourth in DVOA, which is, I think, some defensive efficiency stat, whatever you're going to go with. But they're good. And they're plus three in turnover margin. Andre Sisko had a pick six last week. So let's get to it. Starting number one. It's not Saxonville. Now, if you remember the 2017 game, which I do very, very well, some of you don't remember anything about that because 
uh, it was right after Hurricane Harvey. So everything after Hurricane Harvey, you just you know push to the side. Um, I didn't want to remember that game, but it stood out for a number of reasons. Number one was how dynamic and explosive that pass rush was. Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, those guys just kept rushing. I mean, it was brutal. It was brutal. Now, this group for Jacksonville is not at that level. But Josh Allen's playing incredibly well off the edge. Trayvon Walker is really all that he was advertised to be. He's still a raw project, but the athleticism, the speed, the, I mean, the burst, it's, it's all there. But he drops some in coverage. Um, he's going to make a few plays here or there. I think he has been very worthy of the number one pick for Jacksonville. On the inside, the guy that surprises some is Roy Robertson-Harris. That guy is a monster. Every time Texas has played against him, he's worried me. And now he's the Jaguar, so you face him twice a year. Roy Robertson-Harris, I did a telestrator you'll see on KPRC, stopping the run. Powerful dude. Very powerful on the inside. So it's not Saxonville yet. And I hope there's not 10 sacks in the future for this group against the Texans. But that offensive front is going to get tested. The, the Eagles were able to run right at them. Hopefully the Texans will be able to do the same thing. Number two, Devin's a dog. No, not a Georgia Bulldog. They already got one of those with Trayvon Walker and Tyson Campbell. We're talking about Devin Lloyd. He's a dog. Earlier in training camp, Laramie Tunsil was asked about various players. And he was just like, dog, dog. Well, that's what Devin Lloyd is. Devin Lloyd is arguably one of the best linebackers in the AFC right now. He's been incredible through four games. He was drafted number 27 overall by the Jaguars. He was sitting on the board. The Jags had pick number 33. They didn't think he would get to the second round, so they traded up and went and got him. And I remember draft night just hitting my head on the table going, ah, oh, that's a great move. They're going to love him. Well, you put him next to Foy Olakon, and oh, boy. That's an explosive group. Now, one wears 33 and one wears 23, so it looks like a couple of safeties playing in there, but they don't hit and run uh, and contact like safeties. These guys are dudes, and Devin Lloyd is the biggest dude of them all. He is all over the field. He was tremendous in pass coverage uh, against the Chargers. Tremendous. Seven tackles, three passes, defense, and an interception. I had him number 12 overall in the Harris 100, and he is all of that and then some. If you redrafted, he probably goes top five. He's been that good this year. So Texans have to get a hat on 33. If you let him run into the football, it's over. He's just going to shut it down. And last and certainly not least, this is more about the Texans, and it's a major key. Talked about it with Mark earlier, and I can't reiterate it enough. Third down conversions. 14 of 52 is not good. That's 26.9%. That's not good for anything. Shooting free throws, hitting a baseball, shooting... Uh, you know, I don't know, three-pointers in basketball. I don't know, whatever you can think of, 26.9% is not great. The only time where 26.9% would be great is if you're hitting a blackjack each and every, well, not each and every hand, but 26.9% of the time. That would be good. It's not on third-down conversions. The league median right now is 38.62%. The Jags, I think, are right at that, maybe a shade below. But the Texans had been at that through four games, so there have been six conversions that they would have gotten that they didn't. Think about six third-down conversions and what those could turn into in four games. In games you tied, lost by seven, lost by three, and lost by ten, but a game that was you had within three points, and if you could have got one stop, you would have been right there, but you didn't. So your third-down conversions have got to be better. Case in point, last year against Jacksonville, 10 of 18. That's 56%. You scored 30 points. That's not a coincidence. 
And there are your keys to a win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. When we get back, we'll look at the Texans injury report. Who's in, who's out. We'll do that next right here on Texans All Access. 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 Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad you're with me. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Going to be down, or I guess not down, actually over. I mean, same latitude as Jacksonville. Just right down I-10. Not making that drive, although I made that drive many, many times. You can do it today. You got to leave early. Uh, you can do it in a day. I wouldn't uh, advise you to do that. We're going to take the bird flying out tomorrow, team. Going to get there and take on the Jaguars and hopefully fly back with a dub against the Jaguars. So let's dive into the injury report. A couple of key things to note here on the injury report for the Texans. I looked at injury reports throughout the league and uh, the Cardinals, four guys are out. Um, I can't remember what other one I saw. I had like three or four guys out. This is that time of the year where the injuries start to pile up a little bit, and that definitely is the case for the Texans. These four players are out. Blake Cashman, deal with that concussion. And again, with all that's going on after the Tua Tunga-Vailoa situation, not totally surprising that anybody with a concussion was going to miss that next game. Uh, And Blake got that concussion and is out. Austin Deculus, he is out that ankle. Brevin Jordan has still been dealing with that ankle. And Chris Moore has been dealing with a hip issue. Two players are questionable, two defensive players, and one of them has been uh, inactive, and I'd like to see him play at some point. That's Jake Hansen from out of Illinois. The rookie did some really good things in preseason. Wouldn't mind seeing him have an opportunity to play, but he is questionable dealing with an ankle. He had not been on the injury report at all, uh, but he popped up on the injury report on Friday, and yikes, that doesn't it doesn't trend well. Jonathan Grenard is dealing with the ankle, but even though Wednesday was a walkthrough, he wouldn't have practiced. He did not practice on Thursday. He was a limited participant on Friday. He's questionable. Malik Collins, Kenny Green, Kurt Heinisch, Titus Howard, Derek Stingley. Five extremely important players in this particular game, all in, even though they're dealing with particular ailments. Now, on the Jaguars' side, three players are questionable. Caleb on chase on from out of North shore, Zay Jones. He's questionable. Those two both missed last week and Cole Van Lannon missed. I think last week as well. Those three are questionable out for the Jaguars. And this is a big one. Foley Fatukasi. He is the size. He is the nose when they go to their, their odd man fronts. Now Devon Hamilton is a big guy as well, but he's more suited to play that defensive end spot at three, four, whereas Fatukasi is going to play over the nose. So that's a massive development in this game that Foley Fatukasi will not be playing in this game, dealing with a quadricep. He did not practice all week long, so he is out the big defensive tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, we get back. We're going to go behind enemy sidelines with D.P. Sidhu and a little Drew's Dozen with Nico Collins. That's next right here on Texans All Access. We welcome you back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. We got one hour in the books, but we got one hour left to go. 
And we kicked that hour off with Deepy Sidhu going behind enemy sidelines. Now, when it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, I always love it because it's mean that means it's J.P. Shadrick. J.P. Shadrick has been covering the Jaguars at least since I've been doing it. I think it goes back further than that. But he is as reliable as the sun rising in the east and setting in the west. Absolutely love him. And I love the fact that he's got a Jaguars team that he wants to talk about. I know 2017 was such a great year for him and for them. Other years, not so good. But this year could be a little bit better for J.P. Shadrick and the Jacksonville Jaguars right there in Duval County, Northeast Florida. So let's go behind enemy sidelines. D.P. Sidhu, J.P. Shadrick, D.P., take it away. We're going behind enemy sidelines this week. Joining me once again, my good friend J.P. Shadrick of the Jaguars Radio Network. We meet twice a year, first time this year between the Jaguars and the Texans. J.P., how's it going? Oh, it's going well. It's a new era of Jaguars football again, and things are looking up here in Duval, which is great. First place, <laughs> two and two. We don't know what to do with our hands right now. It's just uh, it's a good feeling. It's a good People thing. in Duval must be out of their minds right now. First yeah. place in the AFC South. Tied yeah. for first, but right. still. Well, tied for first, but they have the better conference record than the Titans, if you want to get particular about it, DP, okay? So the Jags are 2-0 <laughs> and in the conference, so they're in first place. Now, I mean, and this is a team that they feel like should have won two more. They let the week one game in Washington slip away. Some mistakes in the red zone early. Just misfired on some. And then, the, you know, a bunch of sacks on Trevor that day, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback. And then last week, five giveaways, four fumbles, all on the quarterback. Those are self-inflicted wounds. They, the team at least feels like they went toe-to-toe with the last unbeaten team in the NFL and should have won the game. And they feel like they're the better team. So we haven't felt like that around here in a long, long time. Yeah, I'm sure Doug Peterson's homecoming to Philly didn't quite go the way that he had written it up for the Jags, but let's talk about those four fumbles. And yet the Jags still put up 21 points in a torrential downpour. What's been clicking for the offense this year. I saw they're already tied for sixth in the NFL, 26.3 points per game on average. What's been going well for that offense? Well, it beats 14.8 points per game, which is what they had last year, dead last in the NFL. So they're scoring points. And I think it's just a progression for Trevor Lawrence, honestly, um, he's in an offense that makes sense now for him. He's got guys around him and the coaching staff that can lead him to the right places in play calling. And he's got the personnel to go execute the plays around him. So he's got veteran receivers on this team now, of course, and Christian Kirk, who's now in year five, but he's been at it for a minute and they paid him a lot of money to come into this place and, and play certain roles. Zay Jones has that deep ball ability. He missed last week's game, but he's practicing this week, at least early. So We'll see if he's available for Sunday or not. Um, and they've got veteran tight end and Evan Ingram that has made some plays. And it's an offensive line that's had a couple of moving parts, but they're confident in what that group can do. And they feel like they can run the ball. So I think that's number one. It's just a totally different team than it was last year. And that makes a totally different feeling quarterback. I mean, last year, Trevor Lawrence was having to deal with a lot of things that a quarterback shouldn't have to deal with, and certainly not a rookie quarterback should have to deal with, away from football. They were throwing him out there every week in front of the media answering questions he really probably shouldn't have been answering, but that was the circumstance last year. Now he can focus on football, the players around him, and I think that's why the the game has stepped up a little bit. Play calling to go with it, too. Don't underestimate Doug Peterson's ability to, to dial it up and press Taylor to design it as the offensive coordinator 
they're all in cahoots together. Trevor Lawrence gets in on it late in the week, and it's a true team effort. Yeah, he's done a good job of protecting the ball so far through the first four games. Only two interceptions. He had one in the rain. And, of course, fumbles aside, when you look at the touchdown-to-interception ratio, it's much better than it was last year. So what's been the key to getting him to get more of those completions this year? Well, I think a lot of it is his receivers are getting open now. I mean, these guys, Christian Kirk can find a hole in a defense because he's got that quick, short burst ability. And all you need is a little window, right? And Trevor, at least so far, told me last week that he feels like if he can just throw it to a place, the receivers are going to be in the right place because they've been at this for so long and they have that ability to do it. So I think that's part of it. You know, you mentioned the fumbles last week, four fumbles, two of them, one of them was like a sneak that he didn't you know, handle properly. And the other was a roll to the right. The wet ball slipped out of his hands. The other two were sack fumbles, came over the right tackle. That happens from time to time. But I think you'd feel a whole lot worse if there were four interceptions thrown to the other team uh, than the four fumbles in that instance. You don't want them. I get it. So the sky's not falling. Things are fine with Trevor. Uh, But I think to answer your question, it's the veteran group of receivers finding a way to get open and Trevor trusting those guys to be in the right spot. You mentioned Christian Kirk. So big offseason signing. You lose DJ Chark. Three touchdowns so far for Kirk. So has he or how has he lived up to those $72 million expectations for the Jags through the first few games? Well, he can line up anywhere. That's the idea of receivers in this offense. It's not just Christian Kirk, the slot guy, it's Christian Kirk that can move outside and match up with somebody or open up a different matchup with a tight end over somebody else. So maybe they go cover him. Zay Jones has a big day in week two, right? Because Christian Kirk was kind of covered up. That's the feel of this offense right now. And that's the ability of Christian Kirk to kind of get in this playbook and understand every part of this offense and and work with Trevor in the off season to develop some kind of chemistry on the field and certainly off the field too. And I think we've seen that pay off a little bit in the first four weeks of the season. He's the number one target. The first week, Trevor overthrew him a few times, just the first week, a little high on some things, but he's settled in since then and found a way to get the ball to him. And he's, he's the big piece of this offense Everything kind of runs around Christian. So if it's Christian inside and he's covered, boom, you can try it outside, and that's the idea. So far, so good. There is still some room for improvement, but Christian Kirk, I think that's why they spent the money they did. They had a lot of different things in mind for him. All right, well, let's talk about the defense because they invested in their defense quite a bit through the draft, two first-round picks. We saw them take Trayvon Walker with the number one overall pick. How about him and Devin Lloyd? They've been starting games. How did they come in and start making such an immediate impact on that Jags defense? Well, they're freaks, first of all. I mean, Trayvon Walker walks in the room, and you can tell, oh, wait a minute, this is is a first-round pick. There's a reason this guy was number one overall. It's his length, it's his size, ability to run, and he comes with bad intentions at the end of it. And we saw it in the preseason, right, the first snap of the Hall of Fame game. It's okay, it's the Hall of Fame game, I get it. First snap, he straight arms the tackle back into the quarterback, ends up getting a roughing the pass, he kind of went to the head. But after the game, it's like, I just wanted to affect the passer. I don't care what happened at the end. I just wanted to get back there. So he has that ability. He's super strong. If he just kind of figures it all out with some pass rushing moves to go with that at time, I think he'll be a very, very good player. 
of this defense. Then Devin Lloyd's just always around the ball. That was his MO at uh, Utah. I mean, the guy had more sacks than Trayvon Walker had last year when Walker was at Georgia. Uh, The guy had a bunch of interceptions, pick sixes, fumble recoveries. He's the leader of that defense at Utah, and he's starting to kind of step in that role here, it feels like. He had interceptions in back-to-back games, games two and three. So he's going to be up there at the top of the tackle board most every week, and that's what he's going to be. And he's just a smart football player. He's in the film room all the time, digging deep. He's always done that at Utah, and that's carried over to the NFL because he has more time. He doesn't have to go to class. So that means that's just that much more time to watch film. All right, how about the run game? I mean, James Robinson and Travis Etienne, they both suffered season-ending injuries last year. Obviously, Robinson's was much later on in the year. But to see the sort of production they've had as backs, what do you make of those two? I know it seems like Robinson's scoring all the touchdowns and Etienne's getting all the yards. Maybe as a fantasy owner, I'm asking this question, but maybe also because it's my job. Tell me a little bit about those two guys and how they sort of fit in with each other and and who why is is or do they both get touchdowns equally or is it always going to be Robinson? DP, we're trying to win football <laughs> games, not fantasy. I actually league. have Robinson, to be honest. Okay. That's not great. this week. We'll not be starting this week. I can tell you in the realm of trying to win football games that James Robinson is the starting running back. Uh, they both have that ability to go out there and play. And you know, that was a big question for Robinson in the preseason. He still had a little bit of a limp to him when he ran in training camp. He was a little heavy, maybe just because of the offseason inability to run off the Achilles injury late in the season, but give him credit. I mean, the guy just found a way to be ready for week one and was out there and maybe was not a hundred and, you know, a hundred percent ready to go all, but he played and he played pretty well. And then it's just continued to develop. And that's been great. ETN has been cleared for a long time. He was cleared early in the off season from his list, Frank injury that he had in the preseason last year. But there's two different type of guys, right? I mean, James Robinson's the between the tackles, give me four yards, and you're going to probably get four yards. That's that's what it's going to be, and he'll fight for those yards. And he's not going to, for the most part, he's not going to run for 50, though he has done uh, that one time this year, which was interesting to see. It was really well blocked, and he burst through for a long touchdown. That, that hasn't happened a lot in his career. ETN is that guy. If he can ever find that space outside, they feel like he has the ability to score from – your one or their one. So uh, anywhere on the field. He hasn't done that yet. He's showing some burst. I think he's still trying to find his way. And he's not scared of contact. I thought he'd be a little more adverse to, you know, avoiding defenders. No, no, he's taking some hits and going in there and putting his shoulder in. So um, it's a good tag team duo. Let's put it that way. No matter what the fantasy rankings say, they're both going to play. <laughs> You know, I'm just joking with you, JP. All right. Well, I know you're super busy. You're doing so much Jag stuff, but you've also been calling a lot of college games recently. So tell me where you're off to on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so I'm on Westwood One this year. And this uh, this Saturday, we've had the Deep South's oldest rivalry, the 127th meeting of Auburn and Georgia between the hedges in Athens. Auburn is three and two somehow. I was at both games that they've lost the Penn state game where they got blasted. And then last week against LSU, they blew a 17, nothing lead, lost the game. They somehow miraculously beat Missouri. I don't know how the coach is on the hot seat. There's a lot going on in the plains. And then at Georgia, they're angry because they are two points behind Alabama and the AP poll. They flipped down to number two. They still have more first place votes than Alabama. 
but there's been a couple of closer calls. Last week they had to rally on the road of Missouri to win, but they're still the defending national champions. And um, I think they're ready to prove a point on Saturday. But I'm looking forward to the game, 3.30 on Westwood One. Check your All local, right. nice. local <laughs> listings. <laughs> nice promo. A lot of people in Texas rooting for Alabama to lose as well as A&M is playing Alabama there on the road as well. So we'll be watching very closely. JP, best of luck with both games. Well, better luck with the Saturday game, less luck with the Sunday game, but appreciate the time as always. Oh, that was great stuff with JP Shadrick, Jaguars team reporter, play-by-play man for college football. He does a great, great job. He'll be calling the Georgia-Auburn game uh, with Ryan Leaf on, I think it'll. Be, you can hear it on SiriusXM if you're interested in Georgia-Auburn and you're floating around. So take a listen to JP. does a great job and called some really great games in the past now a guy that has played in some big games in fact he's played in arguably the best rivalry in college football I mean there are a bunch of them but Michigan Ohio State boy it's pretty good very good as a matter of fact and Nico Collins played in a couple of those against Ohio State he'll be playing in this game against the Jaguars and well, he sat down to do a little Drew's Dozen with our man Drew Doherty. Drew? Are you a mama's boy, Nico Collins? Of course. Yeah? Yeah, no doubt. How so? You got to love your mom, man. You only get one. Where would we be without our mothers? Exactly. I like you it. You only get one. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing at all wrong with that. All-time favorite retired NFL player. Who is it? Randy Moss. Randy Moss. That's natural, I mean. Come on. Moss is his. That's self-explanatory. So I should have to. Just going over, guys. Ball, fast. On, easy. Yeah, easily. And he played at Marshall going crazy. Slight word for him. Who is your celebrity lookalike? Yeah, who is your celebrity lookalike? Will Smith. Okay. Please don't slap me if I beat you. Okay. <laughs> All right. I got okay. that one. I could see Will Smith. I could see it. Yeah, I could see it. Just a little bit. Fresh Prince. Mm, young Will. Young Will. That's right. Yeah. Who do you think had the highest SAT or ACT score on the Texans when they took it back in the day? I'm gonna go Davis Mills. Davis Mills, that's a good. He's Stanford. He's really smart. Yeah. Yeah, QB. I'm gonna go Davis. He's been the popular choice for that. We also heard Booker as well. Another Stanford guy. Yeah. 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 So there you go. Okay. What's your go-to karaoke song? You a singer? You sing it all? What's your car karaoke? Do you have a karaoke song though? Or not really? Nothing. If you were to sing karaoke, what would it be? Mm. Mm. That's a hard one. Do you listen to anything before a game? Yeah. Not rap. Not rap. You gotta get the juice flowing. I say probably Chief Key for. Chief Keith? The future. What's your favorite TikTok dance? TikToks? I'm not really on TikTok. Me either. No, I never, not really a TikToker. Not a, not a TikToker? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, favorite nickname? Well, if you don't, well, Nico is my nickname. What's your uh, real name? Dominique. Dominique, okay, mm-hmm. and Nico. So, what is your first memory as a kid? First memory as a kid? My first Christmas? First Christmas as a kid, I feel like I got the Nerf gun started oh, coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah, the yeah. one that was just automatic. I was just letting it rip on my siblings. That's a good Christmas. Ooh, what is your most used emoji? I'll say the 100 sign in the fire. Fire, yeah. yeah. Is the 100 because you're like, is that like your way of it's saying? Kinda, yeah, it's kind of yes. just like a, yeah, okay, I got you. cool. Yeah, yeah it's like a, like a bit. Like it's got, me, yeah, it's got many, many gotcha. meanings and uses. 100. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, you can see it too. Absolutely. Best concert you've been to? Best concert? I'll say my little baby. Little baby? Little baby? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was solid. Wow. Favorite social media platform? Twitter. Oh, Twitter's your favorite. Twitter. Oh, Let's get it. Nico, you win. Let's I'm go. sorry about that. I didn't mean to surprise you, but Nico Collins, another champion for the players. All right. So we went behind enemy sidelines, and then we had a visit with Nico Collins for Drew's Dozen, all in one segment. Boy, that's a, that's a heavy segment, but a good one 
nonetheless. All right, we get back. It's time for my predictions. I do this segment, segment two, second hour, every single week. I like to put it on wax, if you will. And it's just a little competitiveness for me to kind of pick games, to talk about NFL teams and do all those kind of things. And that is coming up next right here on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans All Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and it's time for my predictions. Now, I don't want it to feel like I'm self-serving in any way, that I'm narcissistic. They're my predictions, but I like to go on record. I like to go around the NFL and do it this way. It's a good opportunity to talk about each and every game, kind of dive into a little bit that's going on with each team, potentially, if there's some news, and you know, have a little bit of fun. You can play along at home. The at-home version's very easy. For example, on Sunday, the Giants are taking on the Packers, and the Packers are eight-point favorites. In your head, what are you going to say? Are you going to agree with me on who I'm going to pick? See, that's how it works. It's very, very simple. So let's get into my predictions. And yes, we will start in London, but I need my music, and no, I don't need any Oasis, even though I love Liam Gallagher because he loves Manchester City, uh, or Noah Gallagher as well. Uh, I don't need Beatles. I don't need any of that. I just need my music, and I need NFL games. All right, here we go. Week five in the NFL. Now, it started on uh, Thursday night on not a great note. A, Colts won. B, it was a lousy game. Colts win in overtime, 12-9. It was kind of bad. Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson did not look good. Broncos country, let's ride. (laughs) Boy. All right, let's get to games on Sunday. And start in London where the Giants will take on the Packers. The Packers' first ever trip to London to take on this surprising 3-1 Giants. So the Giants are banged up. About seven or eight guys not making the trip over to London to take on the Packers. In part why the Packers are eight-point favorites. I still feel like the Giants might find a way to keep this close early. But in the end, I think the Packers will slow down Saquon Barkley, who has been very, very good this year, although the volume of carries has produced a volume of yards. But he's been very, very good. I think the Packers will slow him down. The Packers will go to London and get this win by more than eight. This feels 31-21 Packers over the G-Men in London. Okay, let's go to Buffalo where Kenny Pickett is making his first start against the Buffalo Bills. Now, how do you know, even though I'm just telling you, that Kenny Pickett's making that start? How do you know for a fact? Well, the spread's 14. (laughs) I don't think Pittsburgh's been a 14-point underdog. Man, I I mean, I need a live sports bureau to tell me the last time Pittsburgh was a 14-point underdog to anyone. But they are. They're a 14-point underdog taking on the Buffalo Bills. With no T.J. Watt and the Buffalo Bills maybe getting back on track after last week against Baltimore. I don't know if they're all the way there. That offense has been just off a little bit the last couple weeks. Down in Miami, they scored 19. Last week, they scored 23. It's not been the smoothest ride we expected for Buffalo, but I think it smooths out a little bit. I think they win this thing 28. Actually, the number's right at it. I was going to say 28-14, but you know what? Let's give the Steelers a little bit of credit. Let's go 28-17. So Bills get the win. Steelers get the cover. All right, we'll have our eyes on this game. Obviously, at noon, Chargers taking on the Browns. Both teams 2-2 two and two in 
Cleveland. Chargers obviously coming off the win against us last week here, 34-24 over the Texans. The Browns went to Atlanta and got beat by Atlanta, where Marcus Mariota ran the ball seven, or threw the ball, or completed a pass seven times. Seven times. Arthur Smith, head coach at Atlanta, was on the sidelines saying, run it down her throat, and they did. Now, the Chargers can't do that. And I think that ends up being the difference. Even though I want the Chargers to win, and we need the Chargers to win, and the Chargers are favored by two and a half, that's right, the Chargers are going to win. Ha <laughs> ha, you thought I was going to go Browns. No, I think the Chargers get this win on the road. It'll be tough. My guess is uh, early November or early October in Cleveland, weather could be a little bit of a factor. But at that point, I trust Justin Herbert in that weather. Now, if it's a little colder, then, uh, you know, those ribs can be taking a shot. But when that Chargers offense is humming, I don't know who stops it. Miles Garrett should be back for the Browns. But I feel like the Chargers are going to go get that win, and they'll cover the two and a half. So take Chargers. Let's go 31-27 over the Browns in Cleveland, which would be just awesome. The Bears fell to 2-2 two two last week as they take on the Vikings 3-1. and one. The Vikings got a win in London over the New Orleans Saints. Will Lutz hit one 61 yards and double-doinked it. That would have tied the game set in overtime, but the Vikings got the win 3-1 and one on the season. They return after playing in London last week to play in Minneapolis this week. Interesting. The Bears offense just, we saw it. If we would not, I can't go back on We give 281 rushing yards, and if we don't make mental mistakes, they get about 140, and we win that game going away. But we did. Can the Bears get 281 yards on the ground against the Vikings? No. Vikings are favored by 7.5. That, that hook, that half point. <laughs> but I just think the Vikings are that much better. 24-14, that'll cover the 7.5 win for the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium. Two teams that are one in three, and I don't know if one in three really justifies where and how well they're playing, but the Lions can't stop anybody defensively, but they could score on everybody. The Patriots went to Green Bay last week and had a rookie quarterback playing for the first time in the NFL, and he nearly pulled off the upset against the Packers. New England's favored by three at home, which I guess means... They think these teams are even. Mac Jones has been practicing, but there's been no declaration that I've seen whether he's going to go or not in this one. But I feel like the Patriots can get on track. This is the Matt Patricia revenge game. I think the Patriots at home will get the win. And you know what? By a small margin, cover that three points. It'll be like a four-point win. Three, it'll be like three or four. This number is set perfectly. But I think the Patriots will get another win over the Lions at home. Seahawks had a big win over those Lions last week in Detroit, 48-45. That moved them to 2-2. Two and two. And they got another win on Thursday night when they all watched Russell Wilson just fade. Oh, boy, that was bad. But the Seahawks now have to go from Detroit back home and then on the road to New Orleans, even though New Orleans, I think, has played lousy. I don't, well, I should say lousy. Lousy is a strong word. They haven't played as well as you would expect. But Andy Dalton kept them in that game the other day. I think Andy played pretty well. New Orleans is favored by five and a half here. I think the travel ends up catching up with the Seahawks. Even though Geno Smith has played well, I think it catches up to the Seahawks in a win-loss capacity. I think the Saints win this thing, but it's a lot closer than five and a half. So give the Saints a win and the Seahawks the cover. All right, this one, I, this one's fun to me. I, Dolphins-Jets has always been a fun game. And it dates back to 1986 when Dan Marino 
and uh, Ken O'Brien were just going back and forth, 51-45. I mean, it was an incredible game. So Dolphins-Jets always has my attention. But this one's pretty intriguing because the Jets are 2-2. Two and two, The Dolphins are 3-1. and one. Dolphins got beat for the first time last week. The Jets won at Pittsburgh to move to 2-2. Two and two. In fact, the Jets are uh, have two wins over the AFC North. At home in New Jersey, the Jets are a three-and-a-half-point underdog to the Dolphins. Now, Teddy Bridgewater with a full week to prepare and a full week to get ready, I actually think he's going to do a pretty solid job. I, he's not Tua, but I think Bridgewater can do enough to go get this win. This is going to be a fun one. I think 28-24, kind of back and forth in the second half, but the Dolphins end up riding the arm and at times the legs of Teddy Bridgewater. Not much, but Teddy always has one scramble that picks up a key first down. I think that's going to be it. I think Teddy has a solid ball game, and that's the difference. Dolphins win this by four, which covers the three and a half in New Jersey. NFC South. Oh, boy. The Falcons are taking on the Buccaneers. Now, the Falcons, to me, I don't say they're frustrating, but I had a feeling going in the Falcons were not going to be very good this year. Just didn't think they were going to be very good. But I'll say this. Arthur Smith can coach. He's getting the most out of Marcus Mariota and that team that doesn't have a ton of talent. Arthur Smith is doing a bang-up job. He's got the Falcons with two wins. Last week, 23-20 over the Cleveland Browns at home. Tampa Bay got absolutely shredded. Shredded by Patrick Mahomes. Now, Marcus Mariota is not Patrick Mahomes. But that's two weeks in a row. The Buccaneers lost at home. A close 14-12 loss to the Packers. Then a big loss to the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. So which Buccaneers team shows up? I think it's going to be one where Tom Brady's going to be... Um, yeah, I think he's going to throw it on a hammer pretty hard, especially all the things that have been going on. I think Tom wants to make a showing. Tampa Bay is favored by 10. I think they cover this. This feels 31-17. Give the Buccaneers the win and the cover. We got two other AFC South games. One, Texans-Jaguars. I will never pick that. Jaguars seven-point favorites. I've never picked against my heart and my head. I never picked that game. But let's make the experts look foolish with a W in Jacksonville. Now, the other one is Tennessee traveling to Washington. Tennessee is favored by two in Washington. Not quite a pick em. But Tennessee is finding ways to win. And here's the thing that frustrates me about Tennessee. It's a Tennessee team that last year just found a way to win games. Ben looked pretty. Offense wasn't always great. They'd win without Henry. They won with a bunch of backups. They just found a way to win. But that caught up to him in the playoffs. And it caught up to him in a really bad, bad way. Losing to the Bengals as the number one seed in the AFC. Now, I never felt like they were truly the best team in the AFC, they just happened to win the games they needed to. This doesn't feel that way. This feels like they're going to hammer the Commanders. I watched the Commanders against the Cowboys. The offense is putrid right now. They can't move the football. I think Tennessee will do enough to frustrate them. I think it's a low-scoring game, but I'm taking the Titans to win this. Unfortunately, they'll move to 3-2, and two, and after the Texans hopefully beat the Jaguars, the Titans will be atop the AFC South yet again. Ugh that hurts. All right, let's get the afternoon games and starting Carolina where things are going sideways for Matt Rule's Panthers. Baker Mayfield offense, bleh, not doing much at all. 
Just nothing to get excited about. 49ers are 2-2 two two coming off a Monday night win over the Los Angeles Rams in San Francisco. Now, it's not a negative body clock, but they got to go all the way to the East Coast. And I always worry about West Coast teams that do that. However, I think this team against the Panthers. Now, Panthers defense can hold its own at times. The Panthers offense just didn't give games away like the first one of the year, like the other day to the Cardinals. That Panthers team might be sitting in a division in which nobody's really standing out. They have an opportunity, but it's not going to happen. 49ers are going to go to the Panthers. It's a six and a half point spread. I think San Francisco just goes to win the game. Uh, let's go 21-17. 49ers win. Panthers get the cover. Cowboys going to the Rams. Oh, boy. SoFi Stadium will be filled with Cowboys fans. Filled. Because there aren't many Rams fans right now. The Rams got hammered. 24-9 on Monday Night Football. Did not look good in any facet. Matt Stafford doesn't look anywhere close to the quarterback he was in 2021. Cooper Rush has played well. Not going to sit here and tell you he's Kurt Warner reincarnate from 1999 where he just stepped in. You're like, man, who's this Kurt Warner guy? He's throwing three, four touchdowns a game. But he's making the throws that he can make, and he's making an offense go. 25-10 last week over the Washington Commanders. I think the Cowboys will keep it close. But the Rams are going to find a way. Now, the spread is five. I think the Cowboys get inside that. I think this ends up with two teams putting some points on the board. So let's go 31-28 Rams. Cooper Cup goes off. Cowboys move the ball, but a couple of turnovers will be the key. Dallas loses, but covers. So for some of you, that might be a win. But Dallas loses and covers that five. Sunday afternoon, Eagles taking on the Cardinals in Phoenix. To Zach Ertz, reunion bowl. It's the first time the Eagles will play the Cardinals since Ertz was traded to the Cardinals right before our game last year. The Eagles are 4-0. Played in the rain last week. Fell behind 14-0 to the Jaguars. An interception, uh, pick six off a tip pass for Andre Sisco. And then a short drive for the Jaguars, and that was it. They got one late, but the Eagles scored 29 straight points. They've got so many different ways that they can hurt the Cardinals. I do think Kyler Murray will run around and make a few plays, but it's not enough. The Eagles are favored by five. I think they cover that easily. They'll win this thing 38-28 in Glendale. Give the Eagles a win and a cover. Then, Sunday night, Bengals v. Ravens. Two and two versus two and two. And I'm not real sure which team shows up for either side. But Ravens had a a chance last week to go ahead in that game. Decided to go for it instead of kicking a field goal. I had no issue with that decision, but they didn't convert. Bills would not kick a field goal. Ravens lost that game. The Ravens also lost at home against the Dolphins where they gave up a 17-point lead, I think it was, maybe more. So the Ravens are kind of all over the place. And the Bengals started slow, but then against the Dolphins, they seemed to sort of find their big play stride. The defense played much better. This one being in Baltimore, Baltimore's favored by three and a half. And I, I keep thinking this one's a three-point win. 27-24, 31-28. And I'm not totally sure that I want to buy into the Ravens. But I think in a divisional opportunity, I think Lamar plays his best on Sunday night. So let's go 27-24 Ravens. However, spread three and a half. So let's give Cincinnati the cover. This one's going to be real, real close. Down to the final gun, at least the way I see it. Then Monday night, Raiders-Chiefs. One of the great rivalries in the AFL. One of the great rivalries in the AFC and the NFL. The Raiders got off the schneid last week. 
with a win at home over the Russell Wilson-led Broncos. The Chiefs are not the Russell Wilson-led Broncos. Chiefs are favored by a touchdown. I think they'll win this by at least 10. That offense found itself down at Tampa Bay, and if they stay at that hot level, forget it. They're going to be really tough to stop. I don't think the Raiders have a shot of stopping them. I do think they'll score. So let's go 38-28 Chiefs over the Raiders. That's a win and a cover for the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, we get back. We got plenty to do right here on Texans All Access. Stay with me. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access as we are less than 48 hours away from going to Duval County, Jacksonville, Florida, Northeast Florida, taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars team that Seth Payne played on. He's kind of like me. Spent some time in Jacksonville, a lot of time in Houston. Houston's our home. So, you know, you kind of could see – what this is all about. Jaguars 2-2. Two and two. Hopefully they'll be 2-3 and three at the end of the weekend after this one. Now, a guy that could play a very, very big role in this one, figuratively and literally, is Nico Collins. We heard a little Drew's dozen with him earlier. Let's get Drew Doherty's final word with Nico Collins right about now. Nico Collins, wide receiver for the Houston Texans, joins us now. Great to be with you, Nico. Coming off a, a pretty strong, solid individual performance yes, last week. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Personal growth. How much mm-hmm. are you uh, seeing out of yourself? Maybe this time versus a year ago. Yeah, a lot, man. I feel like last year was like a learning curve for me. You know, getting adjusted to the NFL, um, the game speed, you know, what to expect. And I feel like um, this year, you know, you kind of know what to expect. Got that one year under your belt. Um, great guys in the, in the receiver room. That's gonna, you know, I've been around the game for a minute. You know, it's gonna help you along the way. So I feel like, you know, man, just this year has been, you know, a great, you know, great experience from last year you know, a great opportunity man and um just continue to get better i was joking with you earlier hey you look taller and you do kind of look taller <laughs> and we know all about your frame and everything yeah, but yeah. on your catch last week mm-hmm. 58 yards you also were going 20 plus miles per hour is your speed a little bit underrated perhaps because it's yeah. not always brought up about you but it's you not. were moving man yeah it's, it's not but yeah I got, I got a little speed with me <laughs> yeah i feel like um the fast out of ran i think in the off season it was like what 21 point Seven. Uh-huh. It was up there. Yeah, you know that was that was. I'm trying to get 22, 23, like Cook. Okay. How are yeah. you working on that in the off season or in the in season as well? You know, just working. You know, whatever Mike. You know, got dialed up for us. You know, just continuing that, working on my cat muscles. You know, quads, legs, all that. Keeping it going. <laughs> yeah, the speed was definitely a weapon yeah. the other day. Okay. You, Hairston, Cooks, O.J. Howard, you all made tremendous blocks on the 75 yard run by Pierce. How important is that aspect of your game, of, of everyone's game? That's big time. I feel like um, if you can block. You know, now as a receiver, man, as I opened up the run game a lot. You know, um, receivers that go down, they got the safeties, they got the DNs. In order for the running back, you know, to get started, that that play was a great play, man. It started with me. I had to start. It. I think he could start it. You know, I had to get the DB and get him sealed. And the rest of the offensive lineman, man, every got blocked up right, and DP just did the rest. You know, the rest was on him. He got yeah, <laughs> I mean, he got there. You talk about speed. Yeah, he had yeah, it oh too. Tell me about this Jaguars defense, specifically the secondary. What's the mm-hmm. challenge there for you guys? Um, you know, it's a great defensive unit again, again this week. You know, they've been playing well, and I feel like it's a great opportunity for us to go out with the division team, go out and have fun, man, and just compete. 
And then, you know, we got to start fast, finish fast. Yeah, and it's the first division game that's on the road. Yeah. What's that mean for you when you guys go on the road against somebody that you're, you're playing yeah, two yeah, times you know, a year? You know, it's important, man. You know, it's a way. You know, you can go on their home, their home field advantage. And um, I feel like we just got to be sharp mentally, man. Just come out fast, trust the game plan, and go out and just do what we do. What do you eat the night before a game? Anything in particular? Um, normally pasta. Pasta? Lofredo, okay. Yeah. All the right. chicken, the chicken shrimp. You know, it's kind of good. Wings, too, maybe. Well, let's finish with the finish question. How do you guys, as a team, finish better than you have through the first four? Man, we just got to just finish, man. It's just got to come out fast. And, and the way, I still feel like the way we played in the second half, you know, as we behind, that's the way we got to come out every time. You know, we got to play like we, you know, losing. You know, so it's not a great feeling to lose, man. So hopefully we don't that feeling again. But, you know, the key to that, man, is continue to work and continue to, Trust the game plan and preparation. Good stuff, yes, Nico sir. Collins. Best of luck against Thank the you. Jaguars and in the season Thanks to come. There he is, Nico Collins, a guy that could play a very big role in this one on Sunday, and hopefully he does. I Man, I wouldn't mind career marks in this one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He'll have a tough test going against Shaquille Griffin and Tyson Campbell. If I'm the Jaguars, I'm probably putting Griffin on Brandon, and I'm letting Tyson Campbell go one-on-one against Nico. So it's one-on-one battle. Against two very talented, long, athletic guys. It's one of the rare guys that Nico and Brandon, this receiver court, will face that physically match up. Because Tyson Campbell's like 6'2", 195, 200. I mean, that's as as big as it gets for a corner. So, Nico, going to be going through it on Sunday. Hopefully, he comes out the other side, the winner in that battle. All right, let's go around the NFL and going around the NFL is brought to you by Whataburger. The Houston Texans, Whataburger, and the Houston Food Bank are teaming up to help them take on their toughest opponent ever, Houston area hunger. Just donate a dollar the next time you're in an area Whataburger, and that dollar will go to help the Houston Food Bank. And you'll even get a coupon for a free Whataburger with purchase of a 32-ounce drink and medium fry for every buck that you give. So from now until October 10th, give a buck and be a part of the team that's wiping out hunger in Houston. So good friends over at Whataburger. All right, who's in, who's out for this weekend? We already gave you for the Texans and Jaguars. For the Jaguars, Folu Fatikasi, the big defensive tackle, is out for the Texans. Four of them, Austin Deculus, Brevin Jordan, Blake Cashman, and Chris Moore. Also out this weekend, and this obviously applies to your fantasy team, Kyle Pitts, Falcons tight end, ruled out against the Buccaneers. He's been dealing with a hamstring. Now, he's really not gotten in sync with Marcus Mariota, but that is arguably the Falcons' best athlete not going to be playing in that game against the Buccaneers. The Giants and Packers will kick off the weekend, as you heard me say earlier, and they will play in London. Daniel Jones practiced fully on Friday in London, had ankle injury on Sunday, had no designation on the Week 5 injury report, which means he's in. He'll start against the Packers in London. Now, Tyrod Taylor ended up with a concussion, and so Saquon Barkley had to go in and do some Wildcat stuff, and so he took some snaps. No quarterback snaps this week. Daniel Jones ready to roll for the Giants against the Packers. That is an absolute big one to have that going on. The Chargers are taking on the Browns, and for the third consecutive week, And this is one we really needed. Last week, I was okay with Keenan Allen being out. I was okay with that. Leaf Slayer out. We need him against the Browns. Well, he's not going to be against the Browns. Keenan Allen out for the L.A. Chargers 
in that matchup with the Browns. Miles Garrett is back. He missed last week against the Falcons after that car accident, but he will be ready to roll against uh, the L.A. Chargers on Sunday. So there's, those are just some of the key ones and the key players that are out for this week, including, as we mentioned, Folu Fatikasi and the four Texans out of that one that's taking place in Duval County. It's it's going to be interesting. I mentioned this in my daily brew. The, the last 11 years, whoever won the first game won the second game. It's always been a sweep. Well, the last 11 years it's been a sweep. Texans 12, I'm sorry, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 18, 19, 20, 21. Sweep. 2013, 2017, the Jaguars swept the Texans. So it's not been a split, but we're not worried about a, a split or a sweep. We're just worried about winning the game that's in front of them on Sunday. That's the one, the only task. Gave you the keys to the game earlier, how they could go about doing it. I said third down conversions got to be a big thing. Hopefully they can take advantage of some mistakes. And last year, the kicking game. Tremont Smith ran that kickoff back. Something's got to happen in the kicking game because this – Texan special teams unit has been fantastic, and hopefully that all pays off on Sunday. A big thanks to everybody who participated on the show. Mark jumped in, of course. You know, Lovey Smith was with us, and we always thank uh, the head ball coach for stopping by and sharing a few minutes about this matchup that's coming up. You also had DP Sidhu stop by. You had J.P. Shadrick from the Jags who uh, chatted up with DP. You had Drew Doherty. You had Nico Collins. You had me. But I'd rather thank the other people because I'm supposed to be here. Those other people donated their time and their efforts, and I really appreciate that for making this show everything it can be. To Jacob back in studio, thank you. To all of you that listen, thank you. You have so many different options of things you can do, but listening to us means a lot to me. It means a lot to us, so thank you. You are what drive us every single day to do this better and better every single day, and hopefully we do that. Y'all are the best. Let's go get a W on Sunday. We'll see you then. And as always, go Texans.